from New York. It's Weird Trick Mafia. We have Andrew here in town as well. Super awesome. New York City. Yep. What's up? <laughs> this is my apartment. It's pretty cool. I'm here. I'm here for the uh, Chaos Engineering Day. Been getting a little chaotic. I need, <laughs> I need more chaos in my life. Clearly, you can tell from my hair. Nice. So you've been uh, you've been busy. You say busy lately. I'm not even sure we can go through everything <laughs> you've done over the last since the last time we talked. Uh, but the one thing I kind of wanted to start with, and we'll work back from there, maybe episode by episode, is uh, you got pretty excited about the the open compute thing that just happened. Yeah, that was super fun. I mean, I, I really enjoyed like uh, meeting people there and hanging out. So why don't you tell people about the event that you went to, and then we'll get into some of the stuff you saw and got excited about. Nice, yeah. So Open Compute, uh, if you didn't know, it's uh, kind of a new project or set of projects that came out of Facebook for all their hardware that's running on their servers. It's been out for a while, like a few years, right? It's not that. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's been out for a while, for yeah. sure. Because they're already doing like this thing where they give refurbished servers away and stuff like that. They're like, we're done with these. Yeah, which is cool because like, I, I think I'm going to get Toys. It. Yeah, it's dope. Um, so it's all their hardware, and then it's also like this uh, community of open source firmware as well that runs on the hardware. Um, and so there's all these specs and designs for like boards and um, different designs for boards that do different things like GPUs, stuff like that. What, what was the scale of the conference, right? So I think people sort of have a, a sense of how many people are going to KubeCon now. Yeah. What, what kind of uh, kind of attendees did we see at the open computer? I would say like maybe like anywhere from 800 to 1200, it seems like respectable yeah yeah it's pretty good there's plenty of room at the bottom yeah so so what did you see that got excited and what, what kind of stuff um so yeah the first day like i spent a lot of time with the open firmware community because they have just the room for doing stuff and um that was nice because like the community is still super small so it's very personable and it was like nice to see what kind of all the companies are doing and then also like everyone was giving feedback to the chip vendors there like intel and arm um, AMD wasn't there, which is interesting. Uh, so it's cool to see like open firmware pushing. So what back. was that feedback? And like, what was the pushback? Yeah. So the firmware people are like, can we please stop giving us, you know, your firmware in the chips? Because like they end up shipping things like, uh, you know, their runtime services, all the stuff that kind of like make sure that your firmware is running right. And it's like um, for, you know, Google, Facebook, like all these companies, it's like they want to control that shit in the kernel and they want to control it in user space. Um, so it gets in the way. And so like most of the conversation was around like the firmware doing less and being more open, basically. So that is the general theme. And then there's probably like more specific things that each one did or. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, even IBM was there and they've had like open firmware with like power for a long time. So it was interesting to get their take because they were less so a lot of like the open source firmware community that was there is working on like linux boot which is this open firmware project that uses linux um because it's like linux has already been vetted as far as being like secure by other people and like if you're already using it yeah. yeah if you're already using it in your stack it means that you trust it to a certain level so like why not also trust it in firmware versus some other bullshit um so like they were all kind of talking and uh, like that stuff, like having that stuff like currently on all the chips, like it wraps binary blobs for like Intel or ARM. Um, and so getting rid of those binary blobs and a lot of that logic in there would be awesome to the extent that then you could have way more control over knowing what's running. So that was like kind of the main focus. 
So the pe we can't get rid of them. You can't like get rid of them anyway, or they just don't want to do that. Um, so the vendors don't want to do that because that's their proprietary code. No, but like once you have the control of the physical hardware, can you? No, you can't get rid of. And them. there's like there's a ton of problems too in that like now all these kind of chip vendors are shipping these things. Uh, Intel's is called uh, Boot Guard, and Arms is called something else that I've forgotten. But uh, so Boot Guard actually makes it so that like. Intel only holds the keys for changing the firmware. So you actually cannot then run open source firmware on that chip, which like completely negates the entire point of this entire ecosystem. Like then you don't have any control um, and you just brick the board. Although there's been like a vulnerability that uh, Trammell Hudson found who is like, he's been doing all this firmware stuff. Um, so he found that actually if you get the chips to go into kind of the air screen where it can't boot, and then you you try to recreate and it can't find that screen it will just go and boot yeah so it's bad like the whole thing is bad it's like it's it's a terrible feature because it prevents open firmware but then also it's like it's not even doing its job of securing it so like why do we have it so maybe i mean educate me here where where is the what are the things you can change if you can't change this firmware then what is the firmware work that these these companies do how, like how do they take their work and put it onto the hardware and then also what does open compute cover in terms of the rest of the sort of peripherals and devices and storage and networking or is it really just about the, the chips the, the cpus yeah so um it does wrap like the binary blobs for um like like linux boot wraps these binary blobs and like the binary blobs expose this interface which i forgot the name of but it's like this kind of open interface that like you know it interacts with so um the problem is though like these vendors are kind of like shoving more into that interface and more into kind of the hidden stuff um and it would be nice if all that was open as well so that like when you have a bug in kind of that interface layer, you know that it's actually in the, the chip itself versus, you know, the, firm, like the you stuff can't, that you own. You, you can't tell the difference between what came as part of the hardware and what came as part of this bundle that you can't change. Yes, totally. So it, it's hard to debug and it's hard to like, when you have, you know, servers at scale, you would like some more transparency into what's happening. Um, but it is nice that you can get like from this interface, which seems like the lowest possible interface of dealing with these, these chips, to you know booting in open open like firmware which is cool so so the firmware because doesn't open compute do some stuff with storage too or is there like, there's, yeah. there's like other parts of the compute open compute that's so there's the all these right? sigs um and so i i just happen to be most interested in the firmware so i went to that but um there are a bunch of other sigs and like you can sign up on the mailing list and like get involved with those and like all the communities are so small that like you'll see the mailing list are not very active. I'm like on the wall, just like kind of lurking. Because there's no no mail. <laughs> yeah, there's like no mail. So I'm just like, I'll just continue to just like, it's like maybe once a week I see a mail or something. It's weird. Then this this firmware group you met, you, you mentioned it is small. What's the number? Like how many people are we talking about? Uh, there was probably like 15 or 20 in the room. So it was nice. Like when we all got lunch, we were just like nerding out about the Apollo 11 movie because everyone kind of seemed to be space nerds as well. And I think like a few of them were like, I'm going to go see this movie tonight. So <laughs> that was cool. Fantastic. Then, then the rest of the show. So the firmware was what percent of the, the, this is this, the, it was kind of like one meeting, right? The, the yeah, that was just one meeting. So then we like, uh, kind of like went around to like, um, to 
some talks and stuff like that. And then also like kind of checked out the vendors because like even in the expo area, like Facebook had all their actual like servers and stuff, which was dope. Right. I, I saw pictures that got posted. Yeah. And posted some stuff. So, so um, their stuff is like just super, it's super clean. It looks nice. really futuristic. It yeah. Looks, it looks like designed, right? Oh, I mean, they're like super designed and like they made everything like nice and you can see it come out in the way that they'll talk about it. So like I kept asking this one guy to pull out this one rack because I wanted to look at it. And he was like, by the third time, I think he was a little bit annoyed. But every single other time he was like, there's this one part and one part. And then like, it's very nice in that like, it, like the dims are uh, alternating colors. So you can kind of like the dim slots, like, in the memory, I don't know. There's like little attention to detail. So that's a that's kind of the user experience. That you <laughs> yeah. Can tell, you know, which dim you're you're in. Totally. I mean, they put a lot of thought into it. Like they really did. It's nice. So the you mentioned how many people are at the conference, and then there's this small firmware group, and there's probably a bunch of other things like that. What were the other things or their talks that you saw that were exciting, either in the booths or in the in the talks? Yeah, so I had to like leave early so I didn't just see all the talks, but I've been meaning to look them up online. But like uh, Ron Minnick, who does like all the firmware stuff at Google, he's like super, super brilliant and into like firmware security. So his talk looks like amazing and I need to check it out. Um, but they do all their firmware in Go. So they'll have like Linux boot, boot into like this U-boot, which is uh, kind of like a root file system in Go that's like, all user-based Go stuff. So it's like cool because like firmware, if you like think about it, um, like most of the time it's like people either writing like assembly or like some shitty C, but it's like now you can use like the tools that you like have at your disposal, like Linux and bash scripts and like go and stuff like that to write firmware, which is crazy and cool. And it like opens it up to like a whole level of engineers and stuff. A whole, whole level of people that don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, which is great. <laughs> it's really good at all. <laughs> so then what, what do you think that evolves into or what? I mean, was it just a, you're just there as a, a spectator to casually check this out or you have like some ideas about some things you want to play with? I mean, I, I was just honestly checking it out. Um, like I, like I, I uh, hope to, you know, get a Intel chip that I know like doesn't have boot card on it and I can, you know, flash Linux boot onto it. Um, and also like Ron from Google said that he's going to like hopefully set up a class where we can all learn. So I'll probably like go out for that. Um, so that sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I just think it's super cool, and I feel like it's it's heading the right direction if the chip vendors also, like, pull more and more into open, although it seems to be kind of going the other way. <laughs> and, and what do you think their incentive would be to do one or the other? Um, like, why, why would, it doesn't help them sell more to have it, like, they sell the physical thing, so I, I yeah. don't understand their incentive to lock down more of it personally i don't know i mean it honestly seemed like from speaking to the vendors that they understood that now like hearing that like nobody wants like runtime services or smm or like dumb shit in there that like just gets in the way it seemed like they understood but it also is like i know from working at big companies it's hard to then give feedback to the teams to understand where these people are coming from we're adding value with our, <laughs> with our yeah, thing that hopefully. no one wants <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah what else did you, one of the things i always thought was Fascinating. This is like slightly different topic, but sort of related. If you start thinking about how to manage uh, lots of big server farms, then one of the things that I was always frustrated with is how poorly and how inconsistent all the lights out management stuff was across all the different vendors. And you get to these points where when something doesn't work, you don't, you don't know if it's like something you did wrong or it's just yeah. like a bug in their thing. And then you like retry it again and it works. And then 
uh, I, I'm just curious if you see, or because I'm not following the community stuff that closely right now, any, anything interesting happening to, not, not like when you start to think about, to me, like if you start to think about, if you have racks or racks of servers, and you have some API driven way to kind of manage images and pixie boot those images onto those, those machines at will, that looks suspiciously like a cloud. Yeah, no, totally. And, and, and you can start to do some interesting things on the bare metal in your you know, data center or whatever. So I was just wondering if that's sort of stuff you're playing with or looking at too. Yeah, so like the whole overall like nice thing here is that like if you control like a large percentage of the firmware, then you do know what's going wrong in what device. So then it's like, I was even talking with Facebook people and so all their stuff is like super modular. So like you don't need to like unscrew anything. They, they have all these kind of like touch things where like you take out a DIM or like uh you can take out a GPU just by pulling the handle. So it's like they know that when something is like messed up in the hardware, they know where it's coming from. So if it's not the CPU, they'll just take out a DIM and replace it. Like, so if you have all the management software controlling all the firmware and everything's kind of like clean from the stack up, you can just get pinged that, you know, this DIM in this one, you know, cage is bad. And then you just go replace the DIM. Or if it's like the CPU, then they just like, they pull out the DIMs, they like throw away the board, and then they like put those DIMs in a new one, then they shove it back in. So it's like, when you get that granular scale and you know like for certain that like this thing in this board is bad, it's, it's like so much easier to replace shit. So th this is sort of a, a, a different topic, but related, at what level would you want to replace it? Like, like you have to imagine at the scale any of these people you're talking about, Facebook, Google, whatever, that there's some high probability that right now there's a dim failing. Yeah. Do you want to go respond to the random dims are failing or do you want to think about, you know, building resilience into it and, and that what kind of granularity are you going to replace it? Like, are you going to wait till yeah. there's like one dim or are you going to wait till it's like, Oh, let's pull this whole rack and like refresh it or whatever. I mean, I think it's up to the team. So, like, with Facebook, I mean, they sure. clearly are very pedantic about, like, each and everything. But then, like, uh, at Microsoft, like, I heard, and I don't even know if this is true or not, but, I, like, I heard from several people that, like, when something goes wrong, they just wait for, like, a lot to fail, and then they just, like, ship in, like, big racks. You know, so it's, like, if you care about it at the rack level, you can care about it. I, I guess you're right. Like, it's just an operational decision that you make based on the context and resources of whatever you're doing. Totally, totally. So what else? So um... Yeah, so I mean, their hardware was super cool. And also like, uh, uh, they, they like have so many different specs. Like I was trying to look at all the different specs and like, it, it's like unwieldy. Um, so I like, am actually gonna get like, what they do is they have like reverbs of their old server. So I'm gonna get some of those. So these are the Facebook specific versions of their evolution as they kind of rethink their servers. Yeah, so like if you got a reverb now, it would probably be like, five or something years old because they have now entirely new specs so kind of like the 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 specs that they like make like they're probably running them in production like way before that almost. yeah right um so yeah it's interesting to see kind of how it evolves because like there's the ones that are refurbs then there's the ones that i saw at their booth and then you'd have to like imagine that i bet like there's whole different things that are actually running so so i just had this thought about how kind of the cycles of open source commits work so it's like, I'm a developer and I have this thing I want to do, or I'm fixing some issue and I make a commit and now that's, everyone can see that. And it's part of the workflow and pull request for this issue. I wonder like, what's the actual cadence and time cycle in the, in the work that they're doing to design this hardware 
and like what actually comes because like you write code you delete it write code you delete it and you get a thing and then you commit it so i'm wondering like how they do those cycles because it's not as easy as just you know recompiling a thing and like no, it's the unit so tests, right so i'm wondering what that kind of life cycle cadence looks like for their for their software or i mean their hardware development yeah i mean i have i have no idea like i mean i i'm sure that like they have a totally different perspective on computing than i do because like they could probably like uh, I was hearing from multiple people, like, predicting, like, you know, that the cost of RAMs go up, you know, which right now, like, it's on the downfall, right? Yeah, but, but for a like, while, it's scarce. Yeah. So, like, almost knowing that and then making boards around that, I'm sure that there's, like, a full kind of life cycle where people think about this whole world in it versus, like, uh, and then they have to think about, like, how long it takes, like, Fonta to make it or if Fonta can make their spec. I mean, that brings up another interesting point because for the most part, there's no, none of the people we're talking about can really fab their own stuff. Yeah. Right. So, so there's this other cycle where, where it's like, you have this thing, you want to see it. Like it takes someone else working on it before you actually see oh, it. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I have a feeling that like Quanta loves Facebook though, for like the <laughs> amount of boards that I saw. I'm like, this is a good relationship, I'm sure. Um, sure. And their boards are like super nice. Like they're so clean and it's just like, they have the Quanta logo on every single one. So they're getting like free marketing. <laughs> well, well, if people start doing you know, more open compute fabrication, they're probably going to do the same, yeah. the same people. Oh, for sure. And, like, and so that's like, it makes a lot of sense. Like Quanta had a booth and they were talking to people that entire time. <laughs> interesting. So what, what are you going to do with all this knowledge you learned or what, what are you thinking about? What, what would be interesting to either play with or innovate or? Well, the, so like your next level thing. with the refurbs, like you can get like, you know, servers on the penny um, because they sell them super cheap. So um, like they have these like kind of mini stacks where you have just like three of these node servers because like the original designs for Facebook servers, they're not like a one U. It's like these like kind of square shaped things and then you get these bigger fans. So like, it's so, not so that brings up another interesting point. When you start thinking about what it takes to run these in a data center, what kind of what kind of power requirements and what kind of cooling requirements do you have to run each of these different you know variations or versions of the of the hardware? Yeah, so like the power is totally different. So like if I got just one server and I wanted to run it like in my apartment, I need like this dev server box that like connects into the power bus in the back. Okay. Because like the cool thing about all of these is that the second that you shove it into the rack, the racks are like made so that the power bus connects into the bus the, at the yeah, back. Yeah, the, the physical server. connection to the power is yeah. in the, in the and you can like feel it when you like pull it in and pull it out. I mean, it was like really cool. I was like, you gotta pull it in and pull it out because it's like super dope. Because like, you feel it like lock <laughs> yeah, into the. You feel it lock in, and you're like, this is a nice design. It's like you don't have to like be like, oh, I gotta plug in the fucking thing. So then like, um, so there's that, and then like, there will be like a power box in the middle that like controls all the power in the rack, and then like just like two kind of things fall out from there, and then you need to plug them in in your data center. So it's clean. So what data center do you have that you're going to run? Oh, it's got to be like a custom data center. Like, I mean, or like, you know, they also like give all the specs for their layouts and shit. So can you run it in your apartment? Oh, so I could. Yeah. Right. You just need the, the like right converter for the bus. So, so the, the right converter is sort of like a single slot thing to slide it in. Yeah. Yeah. To get the power. And like, so IT Renew, which is this company that like does all the reverbs, they have like, a mini rack where you can do it with three and then plug it in okay. or, or they have like kind of these like dev converter things where like as long as you need to know cover up the the power thing and not yeah. catch on fire like you're probably okay and then and what about heat is that something anyone you guys so like how hot it gets 
it gets hard. Yeah. Gets so hard. like you can tell in some of the specs, like how Facebook lays out their servers. I mean, some of the things that are most fascinating. I don't know if you read James Hamilton's blog or any of these like optimizations in the data center for power and cooling that have happened oh, no. over the last decade or two. But it's just fascinating to see how much innovation and thought has gone into as you get these scaled out data centers getting getting the heat away from them, right? Because they will basically melt. Oh, for sure. At some point. So probably at the level of three in a thing and you're in the corner of this apartment and be fine. But. Yeah, no, like when you get the big ones, like you can tell the way that uh, Facebook lays out their entire data center. They also open sourced literally the data center layout. Right, right. So cool. I remember seeing some of those when people were excited about when they first came out. Yeah. And so that that's also, I mean, my, I didn't go there, so I don't know exactly all the stuff you saw, but, but when you think about all the things it takes to deliver this, you know, at, at, at scale, like, wait, you got to pour concrete, right? Like someone has... No, yeah, like that's like, Facebook probably pours concrete for their own data centers, Google does too. Like you're, you're going to be like in the top, like, of the spectrum, which is not like normal people. That right. is not like the, the norm at all, for sure. But it is cool, the scale. I mean, someone, someone has to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to SSH at some point. Are we still allowed to SSH? <laughs> I don't know. I should, have, I should have asked them. Um, I, I doubt, like, they said that their management software is all proprietary and closed source, which is funny because that's, like, the stuff that, like... Which people said this? Um, Facebook. Oh, okay. That, that all their management software. But, like, um, I, I have to imagine that at some point you can SSH into a box. But, like, also, if you're running... I was kind of making a joke because people say, like, like, you shouldn't SSH, yeah. right? And I've, I've said that. Too. <laughs> so then the... I mean, basically, what... That's kind of, like, their work or whatever they're like tools for yeah, managing totally. whatever they're they're doing yeah yeah and like they they i assume that it's like almost like a kubernetes but with you know power management and also you know knowing when there's a hardware problem failure like everything that kubernetes is missing for the people who want to run on bare metal well if you look at how kubernetes was born like borg it makes sense that has, yeah. has that stuff right? yeah yeah so, it totally makes sense uh what else is there is that is that that feels about like a like an episode or is there totally. is there kind of a thing that we should tell people that we want to think about next or um no i mean that was that was pretty good for me i'll try to think of something else that i did that i mean you, <laughs> did, you did a bunch of stuff right like <laughs> most of these things are blog posts you even had a blog post about the, the open compute stuff right? yes i did totally so we can put that in the in the notes so people can go read that but totally. i think it's it's just a fascinating time to be alive and watching all this stuff on, on the bottom, like everyone's excited about all the open compute stuff. On the top of the stack, everyone's relicensing because they're like afraid. <laughs> yeah, they're actually, afraid that is interesting. That, uh, I, I don't think that the cloud providers could play that same game down here. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in some ways, they all are independently, and Facebook's sort of playing a gambit. And that's how to, I mean, this is my read of when the original open compute stuff got started. Because I'm sure the innovations that have happened inside of Google. Like, whatever anyone thinks is their competitive advantage, they're not sharing. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, so at the point where Facebook has decided this is not differentiating for us to do this work and we can get more from a community benefiting and, and like, being in that, in that cycle with other people doing the innovation, then maybe we have, have a chance. Because I, I, would, I would wager that there's some, like, next-level stuff that's going on inside of, of the Googles and the Facebook, I mean, the Googles and Amazons or whatever, that isn't necessarily coming back into the open part of it. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. Totally. So, till next time. Yep. We'll see you all. Weird tricks. <laughs> yeah. Cheers.